0: Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today, we continue our study of the first book of Samuel, that's Shmuel Aleph, chapter 28, paragraph Ches. And we are going to um, do uh, in uh, the next in a series of analyses of how to understand the events of this very interesting and a very unusual chapter of Tanakh. <clears throat> the f- we had so far, we took two different approaches, each one reflecting uh, different philosophies of, of how the world works, how spirituality works, and how Judaism works. And uh, the first one we labeled the Ramban's approach, and the second one was Rabbi Sajigon's approach. And with each one, we were able to see a completely different story here and from the different story, we had different insights into what we can learn from the story and what it's meant to teach us. Today, we're going to continue with a third approach. And we are moving along the spectrum from the more mystical end, which I'm, I'm using the term mystical even though it's not 100% accurate, but just for lack of a better term. The mystical approach of the Ramban who, who and the, the commentaries who follow that philosophical um, mode of thought that that saw the world as being uh, controlled, uh, as the relationship between the spiritual worlds and the spiritual powers of both evil and good, both having an effect on the physical world and that the way to tap into the spiritual good forces would be through doing Torah and mitzvot and the way to tap into the evil forces is through all sorts of... of incantations and magic and her black magic and so on to Rebbeinu Sajigon who was one step removed from that who we referred to um, his uh, discussions of looking at it as if the, um, there's the there's no such thing as forces of evil um, however this was a miracle of God that God performed this miracle in order to teach Saul uh, a lesson Today we're going to um, do an approach that we are going to tribute to another Gaon, another uh, uh, scholar from the Gaonic period, uh, Rabbeinu Chafni Gaon, Rabbeinu Chafni Gaon, um, who was also of the Gaonic period of uh, somewhere around the uh, 9th or 10th century. Um, And he takes it one step closer to the rationalistic side of the spectrum. And that step is one where not only does the evil forces not have any power or there's no such thing as dark magic and dark spiritual forces that are tapped into by the necromancers and so on. But necromancers are simply what you can call smoke and mirrors. They're just completely a, a fabrication, a total uh, hoax, complete hoax. And, and, and also minimizing in, in the, the, the interaction between the good spiritual world, so to speak, uh, of, of God in this world as well. This approach does not want to explain phenomenon in a spiritualistic way, does not want to say that God intervenes in a supernatural way in this world. Possibly in rare occasions in the Torah, God may intervene in supernatural ways, but in general the events that we see have real, rational, nat- uh, natural explanations, even though we may not know them or see them, but they do. So, Arbenu Khafni Gon compares the powers that this woman displayed to similar to the way a contemporary magician does tricks, where we know when we see what the magician is doing that no matter how convincing it is, we know that there's an explanation. There's a rational, scientific explanation for what he or she is doing on stage. But it still wows us because it's, it's so hidden to the observers that it appears to be magic, but we know that it's not. And this woman was performing such a trick as well. Now, on the, on the surface, it, one would think, you know, this is kind of boring, you know, here uh, we had a necromancer bringing up the spirit of Samuel, and the Samuel, the spirit of Samuel is speaking to Saul and all this, uh, all this stuff. It, 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 the both first two approaches, it was either, it was either um, the dark forces uh, bringing up the spirit of Samuel, or it was God cre- creating this um, <laughs> this incredible miracle. But, but it was still this this spiritualistic, very. Um, uh, um, in supernatural event, um, however, this seems boring. I mean, what? Okay, so she's pulling off a trick. But if we look into the story, let's go through this chapter with this approach, and you're going to see some very, very deep and extremely profound lessons that the prophet is trying to teach us when he talks, to, teaches us about this encounter between Saul and this trickster. So first we start by saying, right, remember, that Saul abolished all of the ofotvid onim from the land, right? So, um, uh, you know, we, we said that he, he abolished them all, right? This was in uh, ver- verse 3. Um, so by abolishing these people, essentially, what Saul is saying is that he's abolishing these people. Tricksters—these people that are basically just fooling the people into thinking that they can tell the future, that they can tell, bring up spirits of the dead, right? Um, but in the back of his mind, it's going to be obvious soon that Saul thinks maybe, maybe, maybe it's real. It's kind of like someone making Saul into a bit of a fool, and this is important because think of this. Think we have to think this through because. This helps us understand what happens throughout the chapter. Saul is kind of a fool because he's like a person that goes to a show, a magician, uh, you know, a great show in, uh, I don't know, Vegas or wherever, uh, of a popular, famous magician, and then walks out actually thinking that maybe there really was magic going on. It's How could they possibly have done it? So Saul is thinking in the back of his mind that maybe it's real. But then... But he goes ahead and abolishes them, thinking that, you know what? I have God. I can always go to God in the same way. But then when he's faced with this terrible situation, the Philistines are arrayed against him. by Haradli bom in verse 5. So Saul goes to God, right? V'loan nohu Hashem, right? And God did not answer him. That's verse 6. He tried in dreams. He tried to think. And God did not answer him. So what is Saul going to do? Well, maybe there is something to this. Maybe that woman, one of these women who are these necromancers, maybe she can, maybe they can somehow help me. Maybe there really is some power to them. So what is Saul doing now? What he's doing is he is now thinking, I couldn't get it from God. I'm going to go to this power that is supposed to be bogus. But maybe, maybe there's something to it. He goes to the woman, right? And, and in the interaction here, the way one must understand, it's it's logically the logical conclusion based on the way Rabbi Chapni Gon understands this, is that this woman knew very well that this was Saul walking in the door, right? And she was playing him for a fool. She knew right away when he walked in her door, right, that the king. Had walked into her house. Now she also understands that Saul is is a dangerous king. Saul has killed, wiped out the entire city of Nov of, of the priests on a pretext that claiming that they were rebellious when they weren't. He he was he was very capable of of you know of acting very harshly with his um, with his subjects if they stepped out of bounds. So she knew that she was treading on very dangerous ground. So her first statement to him was, "You know, well, I can't do this. You know, because, um, because, because you know, Saul, the king, said." Meanwhile, she's thinking in the back of her mind that she's tricking him, right? Now, try to think for a moment: what kind of a king and what kind of a nation has people in it that? understand so well the king's weaknesses, what happened, according to the way Reynah Khafnigon looks at this story, everyone, the people, it was generally understood that, number one, Saul was in trouble, and everyone understood Saul's weakness. And that is that he will and does resort to spiritualistic practices instead of following logic, instead of following reason, instead of following what he knows to be the right path, Saul is very capable of falling into superstition. It's so well known to the people that this woman, this necromancer, understood right away how to play him, how to play the king. The the most, uh, just for an example, one thing I can't help but think about, the last uh, czar of Russia and Rasputin, the, um, the magician or whatever he was, um, uh, you know, the f- fortune teller that had the czar listening to everything he said, right? This Ras- Rasputin, you know, it was, it was clearly obvious that he knew and understood how he can manipulate the most powerful person in the kingdom, right? By pretending that he had some sort of access or insight to spiritual powers and forces. But he knew that because he knew the weakness of the Tsar. Here we have Saul's people understand the weakness of Saul, but Saul himself didn't understand that weakness. In a similar way to what happened in, 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 uh, in Russia before it fell, before the, the uh, communist revolution, the, the people knew the weakness of their king. The people understood that their king was, was completely enthralled by nonsense. The weakness of Saul was known by his people. And this is, gives us so much insight into why it is that Saul couldn't remain king. Now, all of a sudden, we have an st- extremely good understanding of why Samuel told Saul, we're taking the kingship away from you. Because as a king, you can't lead the people if you believe in nonsense. You can't lead, believe people if instead of looking for strength, instead of doing what's right, instead of doing what has to be done, you're going to go to some spiritualistic nonsense because maybe, maybe, maybe that's where I'm going to get help from. All of a sudden, we have a tremendous understanding of a very, very practical, very real reason why Saul was unworthy of being the king and why he needed to step down. And all of a sudden, what happens? The woman says, "It's me, Allah. Who should I bring up?" And uh, from from the dead, and Saul says, "It's Shmuel. I want you to bring up." At this point, the woman sees the image, but not but not Saul. If that isn't a clue that this is all a big bunch of baloney, I don't know what is. Clearly, if the only the woman sees the image of Samuel, and then all of a sudden exclaims, "Oh my gosh, it's Samuel!" Are you, and then and it must be that you're Saul, right? Clearly she's playing a game here, pretending that her ruse of pretending until now that she didn't know it was Saul, all of a sudden, poof, I see Samuel and he's indicating that you're Saul. It must be that you're the king. What trickery here? She's really playing Saul for a real fool and Saul falls for it big time. And then of course this all Saul hears is some voice and this voice, is, of course, some guy who's probably hiding under the table who's able to imitate Samuel's voice close enough to make it sound realistic. And what, is, what does that person tell him? That person tells him, right, what everyone knows Samuel has told Saul, and that is, right, um, every, what everyone knows. God has left you, right? God is against you. God doesn't want you, which means that it had already sunk into the people, the nation that was supposed to be being governed. It had already sunk into them. They had already known that message that Saul is unworthy, and clearly they understood it. They understood it deeply. They understood it deeply enough to understand how to exploit Saul's weaknesses, which then, of course, helps us understand that um, why suddenly the woman treats Saul nicely and sends him back into battle and doesn't tell him don't go fight because if the people really loved him if the people really wanted him to be the king right then the people and in this case the common folk this woman this necromancer and whoever it was hiding under the table would have wanted to encourage Saul to do something right Don't fight with the Philistines. I don't know, make peace somehow, uh, strike a deal, or maybe make an alliance with David, or or, or at least don't go back to the fight because you're going to get killed. But she didn't say that. She pretended to be a loyal subject and gave him a nice meal and sent him off to battle to be killed because the people knew and understood that Saul was an unworthy king. So now, instead of having a spiritualistic story, of this either godly miracle or the miracle of the dark arts, right, Um, giving us this mysterious um, uh, raising of the dead and so on, all of a sudden this becomes a tremendous lesson in the relationship between a leader and his people and what happens when the people lose confidence in their leader. And this would be the third approach, uh, on the rationalistic, uh, um, clo- one step closer to the rationalistic side of things. And uh, this would be some of the insights that we can gain from this chapter, some of the incredibly wonderful and scary, at the same time, insights into Saul, into why he lost his kingdom, and uh, uh, lessons that we can learn for ourselves. So, um, Thank you so much for studying this together. Uh, in the next podcast, we are going to look at a fourth approach and see even newer ways for um, to understand and newer insights that we can see in this incredibly fascinating chapter of Tanakh.